Hello and welcome to the Professional Motor Mechanic Podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Nee, editor of Professional Motor Mechanic magazine. The December issue of PMM is available at your local factor, so why not pop down there and pick up a free copy? This month we have some great technical articles from AC-Tronics, Febby, Carwood, Duratech, Champion and many more. We've also refreshed our logo, so don't be too surprised when you see us on the factor counter. We're still the same old magazine you know and love. In this episode, we'll be heading to our annual mechanic show, where each year in Sandown Park, we bring together garages, manufacturers and experts from across the industry to share the latest updates and technologies coming to the aftermarket. We'll sit in on a roundtable discussion on the future of mobility. We're going to see a change, I think, in mobility, but also what we're seeing come along now is mobility as a service where people are joining car clubs for exactly this reason. As well as catching up with some of the exhibitors to see how they found the show. Just watching people's faces change when they're like, no, non-solvent's not going to work. Oh, wait a minute, it does work. As usual, we'll hear from Freya about the latest news in the aftermarket and from Tom, who will be bringing you the latest updates from the Motor Factors. We'll end the show by revisiting some of the highlights from the past seven months. Yes, that's right. We've been podcasting now for over half a year and loving every moment of it, I might add. There should be a garage just up the road here. We haven't come far. Right, enough introduction. Let's turn to Freya for some aftermarket news. Thanks, Kieran, and hello to our listeners. I'm Freya Coleman, PMM's news and products editor, and here's the news from the aftermarket this month. Garage salaries on the rise. IMI data shows that vehicle technician salaries are increasing, with average advertised salaries standing at over 34 grand. The rise comes amid a 20-year high vacancy rate in the sector. EVs no longer tax-free. Electric car owners will have to pay vehicle road tax from 2025, Jeremy Hunt has announced. The move has been praised by some as fair, was criticised by others for being a step in the wrong direction. Rocky times ahead for the aftermarket? When asked in a recent survey, 1 in 10 motor businesses indicated they might be forced to permanently close if their outlook doesn't improve. With parts, energy and labour cost all on the rise, workshops are tightening their belts this winter. Are you ready for EVs? Next month sees a new dedicated EV show opening its doors in Brighton. Aimed at independent carriages, EV Ready will take place on the evening of the 25th at Brighton Racecourse. New cars bounce back. The latest figures from the SMMT indicate that car registrations were up 26.4% compared to the same time last year. Meanwhile, research indicates that customers are holding on to older cars for longer. If this is something you're noticing in your garage, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at fcoleman at hamerville.co.uk. Lastly, the IMI is to celebrate the work of technicians and students at the IMI annual dinner this March. The awards ceremony will include two new categories for the first time this year. The President's Award will focus on individuals who have contributed towards sustainability in the environment, whilst the EDI Award will aim to celebrate diversity in the industry. And that's the news from this month from PMM. And now, back to Kieran. Regular listeners will know that our mechanics trade show took place recently. Last month, Sandown Park saw workshops come from across the region to get in front of the latest product and technologies. 
Alongside the hands-on demonstrations from exhibitors, we gathered together experts from across the industry. This year, we had CPD-accredited seminars from speakers including Hayley Pells, Matt Cleverley, the IGA and the IMI. Before we head over to the show, I wanted to share a message with you from our supporter for this episode, Cortico. Freudenberg Sealing Technologies, the parent company behind the Cortico brand, has been named a 2022 Automotive News PACE Award finalist for its dye event high-flow pressure equalisation element. The honour rewards two years of dedicated research and development to address the automotive industry's need for a safe, cost-effective solution for thermal runaway in battery electric vehicles. The PACE Awards highlight superior innovation, technological advancement and business performance among automotive suppliers. Freudenberg has developed an entire dye event family of smart pressure compensation elements which combine pressure equalisation and emergency degassing into a single component, making electric vehicles more reliable and economical. The product solutions range from dealing with thermal runaway to the two-way ventilation of oily environments using a dye event compensation element uniquely developed for such wet applications. Developed to manage the air pressure changes and emergency degassing within the battery housing of a BEV during operation, according to Freudenberg, its dye event high flow has no industry equal. It requires less space than competitive solutions for the same airflow. It also offers customers weight saving through its use of a UL94V0 compliant plastic housing. It is less costly than two separate components, requires less installation effort, addresses supply chain complexity and supports the industry's use of higher density batteries to address range, power and safety requirements in BEVs. Now, back to mechanics, where this year our seminar speakers sat down together to discuss the future of mobility and how electrification might affect the aftermarket. Here, you will hear automotive author Tom Denton hosting a panel consisting of Neil Patamore of UK Afcar, who is featured on this podcast already, Matt Cleverley, who runs an EV dealership and garage, Frank Harvey of the IGA, and Colin Gleghorn from Autotech. The general topic for discussion this afternoon is um, electric vehicles and the future of mobility. So it's an opportunity, you know, if you think hydrogen's the future or um, some other form of transport's the future, then, you know, please throw in a question or a comment and, and join in as we go, and that'll be great. And I'll, if I can answer the question, I'll do so, but if I've no idea what to say, I'll just get one of these guys to do it, and that'll be, <laughs> seems like, you know... Uh, the power's going to my head, I think, isn't it? I'm going to ask, really, about the future of mobility in general. So, a uh, general question to the panel and to everybody else. Is the future of mobility that we have fewer or at least different cars? So, for example, are we going to have something like the little quadricycle, the Citroen Amy, parked on our drive, you know, to nip down to Tesco's in, for example, but then higher or rent the big car at the weekend when we need to do the 300 mile journey. Is that a future? Is that potentially where we might be going? So Matt, as you're sat next to me, I'm going to pick you first to see what you think. Um, yeah, something that I thought about when, de- when creating our business because uh, when we created the second-hand EV sales side of things, uh, we knew that it wasn't going to be 
the high-end Tesla and uh, 60, 70 grand cars that people were coming to a used EV car specialist for. It was the second car in the family, so we still sell predominantly Renault Zoe and Nissan Leaf more than anything else, and that's what we stock largely in our showroom. Um, but alongside of that, we have a Tesla Model S that we rent out, and uh, what we get the buyer to consider is choosing a car that's right for them for 95% of their use cases. Um, so if that is local running around town and, and back and forth to schools and shops and things, then a short range EV will A, save them a lot of money and uh, be perfectly suitable for the job. And for those longer distances that they may need to do, we have a car that they can hire and use that costs them their rental fee only and nothing more. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see a change, I think, in mobility, but also what we're seeing come along now is mobility as a service, where people are joining car clubs for exactly this reason. Um, the cost of vehicle ownership generally is, is rising and moving out of many people's range. So I think those you know, new solutions will come along. It depends how ingenious they are and how affordable. Um, EVs are here to stay. We're seeing the market you know, saturation increase. Um, but also you've got to remember that the vast majority of the cars in our car park are still petrol and diesel and they're lasting longer than they've ever lasted. You know, somebody who does 30,000 miles a year, I also look at travel time and what's the downtime going to be for me on a 300 mile journey when time's precious, it's the one commodity you can't replace. Um, so, you know, maybe hybrids are the way to go. We know that there's a, an extension to 2035 for the sale of hybrids as well and how they develop will be interesting. Thank you Frank. Colin, if there's anything left to say on Thank the subject, you. over to you. I'd, I'd perhaps approach the question slightly differently and that is to say 2035 advent for change but I'm of the generation where you spent a long time buying a car, paying it off, owning the car and that just will not be the future in my opinion. My children all draw three of the four drive and I don't think any of them has a desire to own the car that they drive. They are perfectly happy with PCP, regularly looking to change the vehicle into two year, three year contracts if available. But the, uh, the question about mobility for me is absolutely in sync with what the other panelists have said and that is that actually people will just rent a car for the duration they need to drive it for. Are we going to do EV or are we not going to do EV? Is it possible to say, no, I'm never going to touch the darn things, you know, I'm not just going to stay working on ICE vehicles for the rest of my time and things like that. Is that an option, Colin, do you think? And also, is it an option to just do modest work on an EV and leave the specialist stuff to Matt? I am of the generation that watched the Fast Fit take from the main dealer their service and repair work. They only wanted new car PDIs, warranty work, whoever thought that was a good idea, and then watch the aftermarket be scooped up by certain main franchises that's still around today. And we thought we'd recover from that, we thought we'd absolutely fine. And I liken it to EV now, and that is that, I think five, slide five or six of my presentation was that, don't wait, it will happen, it's just a case of when, what you do about it. By all means, you may choose not to go down the route of repairing batteries not, not, not a million miles away from here, I remember outsourcing gearbox repairs, engine overhauls, skimming of heads, etc. would be in a quite close proximity to this place. And you'd, you'd outsource that work because you just wouldn't do it in your own workshop. And you might decide that battery repairs are not for you. And, and Matt's got a 
very, very good, healthy business that will take that type of work. And there might be more people who say, I will repair the batteries, but others will just do the servicing of, what, of which there isn't a lot, and maybe just the diagnosis. And then once we get into what the component part failure is, then we look to another partner to do that with us. And that was my point about synergies, to actually form alliances with other businesses locally that will do that complete service for the customer. That's how I'd approach it. Matt, That's you fine. obviously took the yes, we're going to specialise seriously route. Yeah, because I've always had an environmental awareness. So I've had solar on my house for the last 14, 15 years. I've got battery storage. I've got rainwater harvesting. That's the, the reason I chose this fuel type, because I believe that we need to be removing um, harmful emissions from towns and cities and around schools and things like that. And that's why I, I chose to be an EV promotional business. And part of that is not only selling and shouting about them, the technology being good, but also being prepared to say, yes, bring it to me and I'll fix it as well then. So it was not just a bit conscious business decision to think, well, if we're a specialist, we can make money from this path. Uh, but what I would, would say on the topic is, how many garages out there or that are in this room today um, are only look after classic cars? Because when I started my career, um, I was doing plugs and points and setting dwell angles and doing timing and tuning carbs. Back then, we thought, that's good technology. And then uh, electronic ignition came along, and then fuel injection came along. And we said, no, no, I, I really like doing points and plugs. I'm going to stick with doing that. I, I don't think I'll, I'll let somebody else do that. We're at the same stage again. It's just evolution uh, of our job. And we can sit here now and say, it's not for me, it's not for me but everyone will have to get on board at some point because before you know it, that Mr. Smith and Mrs. Smith that brought their car to you every year, you're only going to know they've got an EV when you don't see them for a couple of years and, and they may come back with a puncher and just desperate for you to help them out in any way you can and say, oh, why haven't I seen you? Oh, I had an EV and you don't do them. And it's, by then, you've already lost that customer. It's too late and they've gone. Because I write a few articles and books and things, people contact me and often I have Mr. Angry will, will write and say, interestingly, somebody has already said this to me today as well, um, because they think, you know, the EV revolution is, is caused by me and Matt, I think, but um, this EV nonsense will never catch on, so I'm not changing what I do, it's just bloody ridiculous. Uh, do we have a job to do to convince people that this is the, the way we should be going? Absolutely. Yeah, so when I started doing this five years ago, um, as many EV owner meets as I was going to, we would also go to public car shows and stand there and say, we're a workshop, we recommend you buy an EV and we'll look after it for you. And the amount of heated discussions with members of the public about it's the same four or five questions. They don't go far enough. The infrastructure isn't enough. They're dangerous. They explode. The batteries last five minutes. They're too expensive. Those things, oh, and uh, they're not environmentally friendly. They're harmful as, as harmful as this little uh, power station that I'm pumping out gas from driving around. But over the last five years, that has changed enormously to the point where I spent four, four days at British Motor Show this year and people were coming over and asking questions. How do I benefit from this? How is it going to fit into my lifestyle? How do I get the most from it? Certainly from a, an independent garage point of view, there's got to be a mindset change because they're not, they're not going away and there's education. 
in terms of the, the marketplace view, I think until the fleets are convinced that range is sufficient, I think mass acceptance of electric vehicles is going to be difficult. I happen to think electric isn't the final solution. I said that on my presentation as well. I agree with the panel. It's probably a hybrid option of some sort. We know ICE is going to wind down and finish. You won't be able to buy new, but we'll still have to service you know, combustion engines. So there's still an opportunity for people to have a business, but it will decline. And the more people start to say, I want to be in the industry, I do want to still have a business, I now need to change, the quicker we'll sort of bring about that change amongst the public because the opportunities will be less and less like buying old star, full leaded petrol. We all change eventually whether we're a petrol head or not. Just to kind of swing the subject back a little bit to where we started, which was the future of mobility, which all of these things are an important part of, I, I just wonder what the panel thinks about is this like a bigger issue than just the type of car we drive? I mean, Neil's already touched on the idea of actually what we're doing here is that we're legislating about the type of car you have to have in a way, rather than legislating about the emissions it should produce or something like that. The biggest question for me on electric vehicles is they must be repairable in terms of battery cell because when they're 10 or 12 years old, halfway through their working life, they're suddenly going to be so expensive to repair. I've said that we've, as a business, we've gone out to uh, trade shows like this. We've gone out to public shows as well. We also went into our kids' school. We, we took a, a couple of Teslas and a couple of other electric vehicles in and parked them in the car park, let the kids clamber all around them and just showed them what clean technology was all about and had them live in the car park and then did summer, summon on his Tesla Model 3. And so he drove his car from his mobile phone across the car park, which blew their minds. But the feedback we were getting from parents was, I hate you so much. Why did you show my kid that? I'm getting nagged to get a Tesla. But, but it, it really fired the kids up and um, made them think about the, not only the environmental impacts that are around an emission-free car, but the technology involved. Brilliant story, Matt. Thank you. My, my final question of the day, then, is, is a simple one, really, but it, it's kind of speculating on the future. What will we be working on in 10 years' time, and what will we be working on in 20 years' time? I think 10 years' time, we'll still be working on a lot of what we're working on now, because we're going to have to. I, I'm of an age, and I remember watching Space 1999, and we were going to be living on the moon now. Um, that, that didn't happen. So, in, in terms of if I had that crystal ball, I think I'd be putting some money down somewhere, Matt, in a taxi firm. I don't know, to be honest. I remember when um, Knight Rider with David Hasselhoff and the car talked to you and he thought, wow, imagine the car that talks to you. And now you're kind of upset if you don't get an instant response to your car when you get in it and ask for directions or to answer the phone or send a text message for you. And the car was called Kit, if I remember rightly. Well, gentlemen, thank you for that. What, what was most fascinating about that is that there were actually four really quite different answers came from there. Um, so to finish off, really, I'd, I'd like to finish on a positive, really. Um, and that, that is, once you get your head around it, we're still in a very exciting time for our trade, aren't we? We really are. You know, some of the technology is changing. Some of us can't keep up. Some of us can, and some of us love it. But it's still a good time 
we wouldn't be sat here today if we didn't love it, would we, really? So, you know, on that note, and in particular, um, you know, thank you to the audience for attending and coming along this afternoon, but in particular, thank you to, to Matt and Neil and Frank and Colin um, for your insights. It's been an absolute pleasure working with you gentlemen, so thank you. Some really interesting points raised by the guys there, especially Matt's real-world experience with EVs. And no matter which way the wind blows on EVs, I think down-to-earth discussions like the one we just heard are an essential part to strategy making. While we're here, let's have a wander around the rest of the show and find out what people thought of the show itself. I'm here with Group Manager of PMM, Rob Gillam. Rob, are you enjoying the show? Absolutely, Freya. It's just a great way to end another very, very vibrant, buoyant year uh, for the team here at Hamerville. So um, we've had some excellent footfall, some really, really good quality of visitors. And it's nice to talk to the exhibitors who are ultimately making sales and inquiries to kind of lead into what will be a good, successful 2023. I'm Lauren Anderson-Clark, a marketing executive for Pico Technology. Specifically today, it's been great to see a lot of students around and, you know, they're of course the future of the industry. So it's been great to pick their brains on, you know, what they're looking for and, and what they enjoy um, about the show. So yeah, all around it, it's been really great so far. John Rawlins from Varta, marketing manager for UK. Lots of questions about electric vehicles and what's a lithium battery and do they still need lead acid on board uh, EVs? So, yeah, very worthwhile well day yesterday and hopefully more of the same today. Hi there, yeah, my name is Joe Tokley. I'm the key account manager for the South UK for Shaft Tech Automotive Components. For us, a show like this, when you're doing it for the end user, um, it's sort of creating a lot of awareness for our products, really, and sort of educating them on uh, the various product groups we have. Um, also, best practice with fitment, uh, the treatment with the core and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's a really good opportunity for us to be able to do that with the end user that we don't normally get in our normal day-to-day -day role. Ian Chapman from Motul UK. So you've been doing uh, demos on the BioClean all day yesterday? Yeah, demonstrations on some old oily cogs and things like that we've got a chain to do today. Yeah. So yeah, getting that sorted and just watching people's faces change when they're like, no, non-solvent's not going to work. Oh, wait a minute, it does work. What's that, what's that about? Hi, I'm Rue. I'm Rob from Luxim24 with Lucas Oil today. Lots of people on the race simulator uh, that's on the Lucas Oil stand today. Everyone's trying to win the Lucas Oil trophy. It's been really good to be able to connect with students from colleges as well as garages and mechanics. So what's the competition? Basically, if you set the fastest lap time, you get an opportunity to win the Lucas Oil trophy, which is just in front of you there. Today, there's lots of people, as you can see, already trying to compete for the trophy and we're still in the morning, so. Yeah. And they're competing around the Brands Hatch Indy circuit, Brands aren't they, Indy, yes. Yeah. Ricky Caldwell, I work for Group Tyre. Uh, Andy DeBello, I work for Group Tyre also. A lot of people actually came to the show just to see us as well, which was, you know, for us was quite exciting. Yeah. Customers who actually dealt with us and gave us some good feedback and what we can do better. So yeah, I mean, without the feedback, how do you know when you're doing things maybe not as good as you can do? Hi, I'm Nathan Podmore and I am Marketing Executive at Continental. It's fantastic for us, we've had a good footfall this year so we're very happy, a good time really. We've had good people, a lot of our existing customers and some new came over to us so we had a very nice time. The show has been well attended, the seminars have been fantastic, it's been a whole new format, we've had some fantastic speakers, they've been well attended, there have been interesting questions, insightful day for everybody. Despite the Just Stop Oil protesters blocking the M25, fitting, really, for what we've just discussed in this episode, the show was a huge success 
and there was a real buzz in the hall throughout. Roll on 2023, I say. Now, let's see what Tom has for us from the Professional Motor Factor segment. Recently, I made the journey to York, then ventured further up north to Scotland to meet two motor factors. Amongst other topics, we discussed whether the headlines of people potentially putting off vehicle maintenance had come to fruition. Both revealed they had noticed a drop-off, but in fairness, the run-up to Christmas does tend to slow down before bursting back to life in January. Time will tell if history repeats itself. I always get a buzz when I visit our readers. It's the best education, and I always come away having learned something. What's more, they get the opportunity to showcase their business and the people that keep the wheels turning. Not to mention the fact they get an opportunity to discuss industry matters. That was my last factor visit of the year, but I'll be back out on the field next year, and if you're a motor factor listening to this and would like to open your doors with a promise of coffee and donuts, then get in touch. During my trip, I received a statement that GSF had found someone to take the top job. Perhaps a name familiar to you, and that is Sukbir Kapoor former supply chain director at Eurocar Parts. I've already put my name forward to interview the new man at the top of the GSF pyramid, and I hope to share that with you in a future issue and podcast. I've got lots to ask, so do keep an eye out. Before that, though, I have an interview clip to share, which should perk your ears. It's from a recent conversation I had with Car Joint Managing Director Dave Owen, who gave his view on the topic I mentioned right at the start of my segment, the subject of vehicle maintenance, and specifically, his views on motorists fixing their own cars. I love it. I think it's what we want. I, I think that the DIY market is where we should be again. I think that, you know, people, you think about people earning 10, 15 pound an hour on, on that sort of thing, and then having to pay 80 to 100 pound an hour labour in a garage. It, it doesn't make sense when half the jobs are still very, very straightforward. You know, it, it's it's not difficult. Um, there are things with engine management, with stuff like that, which is beyond the remit, perhaps. But brakes haven't changed much. Steering suspension hasn't changed much. Changing your spark plugs is more difficult, but it still hasn't changed your oil and filter. There may be a few more guards to get off and everything, but it's no different. Just a bit more bloody time consuming than it was for a Morris Thousand or a Marina back in the day. And we'll see more of that. I'm absolutely convinced we'll see more of that coming as people can't justify 60, 70, 80 pound an hour. You know, they're paying five times their hourly rate to a garage to do something that they could do. Maybe take them twice the time, but they can do it. I asked Dave how he thought that view would go down with workshops. No, it's always it's always been the same, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, I, I mean, the garages, when they go to our member stores, will get a better price than the website. They'll get a trade price. We, we're pricing it. We, we're competitive with your car parts on there for their retail site. Um, but we don't heavily discount on the website, you know, at the end of the day, a trade customer will get a better price when he goes into the store. I, along with Kieran, would be fascinated to hear your views, and perhaps we can bring some of those responses in the next podcast. In the meantime, on behalf of PMF, I'd like to wish all of you a Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year. That's all, folks, for this episode. A big thank you to all our guests and to our producer, Charles, for putting everything together. Have a lovely Christmas, all of you, and we'll see you in February. 